Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The podcast you're about to listen to is from Climate Smart Fisheries, a show brought to you by Rare and powered by Puma Podcast. Here you'll learn about the roles marine ecosystems play in sustaining communities and shielding us from climate change. If you learn something new, share us with a friend and subscribe to Climate Smart Fisheries wherever you get your podcasts. We have only a few years left before our planet reaches the point of no return. What keeps our societies from letting go of destructive habits is simply the fact that they are habits. We've become so used to discarding things that are still usable, relying on fossil fuels to power our industries, fishing more than we can eat. Depleting the Earth's resources has become a lifestyle that is destroying our home planet. But if that's the case, then we should know how to solve nature's problems because they affect all of us. Instead of harmful behaviors, we must begin to live and breathe environmental protection. And one of the countries that can teach us to do better is Palau, the conservation nation. I'm Robbie Alampay, Puma Podcast. You're listening to Climate Smart Fisheries, where we travel to Asia-Pacific's marine ecosystems and discover how they protect us from climate change. Brought to you by RARE, an international conservation NGO that inspires change so people and nature thrive. In today's episode, we'll learn about coral reefs, the key to Palau's existence, and how the country sustains its conservation efforts. Palau is an archipelago in the Micronesian region in Oceania, just east of the Philippines, north of Indonesia. If you locate it on a map, the first thing you'll notice is its size, just a few tiny dots compared to adjacent countries. However, its strategic position has afforded it the richness of flora, fauna, and minerals. You see, Palau is surrounded by a large barrier reef and waters that boast of around 700 coral species. You can get a glimpse of them underwater in shades of red, pink, yellow, more. What's also fascinating is that the many islands are, in fact, ancient coral reefs lifted out of the water. What are coral reefs, anyway? Let's hear from the folks at Ebil Society an environmental organization in Palau. Hi, my name is uh, Alung Hideos. You can call me El for short. I am 25 years old and I work at the Avail Society in Palau, which is a nonprofit organization that uh, works in uh, environmental conservation and education. And uh, my role is doing research and data management with high school students and as well as working in the local communities. Hi, my name is Isabel Williander. You can call me Is for short. 
I'm 16 years old and I am a youth representative from Avila Society and I've been participating in all the events and research programs that they've held ever since I was eight years old. Wow, eight years old. That's a long time to be learning about coral reefs, is? Okay, but L, let's start with that. Tell us what the coral reef ecosystem looks like underwater. I think of different colors from blue, green, yellow, from the different types of corals. Lots of movement of animals like fish, sharks, turtles. Reef fish are sort of like parrotfish as well as surgeon fish. And those that are, they only eat like the corals and the and seagrass. And in Palau, there is a very high biodiversity. So there's a lot going on in the coral reefs. The east side of Palau, I think, has smaller coral reefs, but then around the northern, west, and southern parts of Palau, it's everywhere. They're important as shelter for fish, as well as food. They're, they're animals, so they're also a living thing, as well as being able to provide uh, food for humans and other species, that, not just fish. There's also nudibranchs and different slugs and snails. So coral reefs, just to repeat and to emphasize that, so corals are animals, not plants, not rocks. It's good that you pointed that out because a lot of people think that animals are like those that we, of course, typically see, you know, those with eyes or those that can move around. In any case, the point is that these corals deserve as much respect as the animals we are all familiar with. Every time we, I go snorkeling, with a bunch of people, different people. Sometimes they would stand on a big boulder coral and I would say, hey, you're standing on a coral. And they're like, no, I'm standing on a rock. It's a coral, it's not a rock. So people misunderstand and assume that some corals are rocks or that they're strong enough for us to touch them. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I hope our listeners can keep that in mind the next time they go to the beach. No, of course, this is where a lot of the confusion is because when corals, when they clump together, they form reefs. Those reefs can look like basically rocks. But people have to essentially start viewing this as what they are, basically living things that live and breathe. In fact, globally, this is where about 25% of the world's fish congregate. It's basically like an underwater city. In the city, you have supplies, houses, food. You have a lot of people, coral reefs, are the marine equivalent of cities on land. Now tell us, how significant is this resource to the people of Palau? Okay, so coral reefs and the ocean is a source for food and for fish. And fish is like the main course of cultural gatherings and even in the household, fish is like our main source of protein. So it's very important to us. Fishing is a very common practice in Palau, all types and all kinds of fishing. And it's sort of uh, an activity, a leisure uh, thing that people enjoy, but it also brings people closer because usually Palauans do community fishing for like cultural events. Like if there's a funeral, a lot of men go out and they gather and they go out to go fish and that kind of strengthens their bonds and, you know, they can spend time with each other. Another type of culture is um, visiting relatives. And the most common goods that you can bring to your relative is fish. So 
there's that as part of our culture. So I know that there was a recent report on how much marine resources Palauans use, and about 70% of Palauans in Palau, in Palau, <laughs> they, they fish, not just for food, but for us uh, income as well. So uh, that has been a way for us to be able to provide for our families with some people they don't have, their own main source of income could be just the fishing. So that creates a large role of the, of the coral reefs that they have for the people. Yes, clearly. Without coral reefs, fish vanish. And obviously this will have a detrimental effect on people's livelihood as well as food security for the entire society. But apart from this, I was wondering how coral reefs help to protect you from climate impacts. In terms of adaptation, they protect the coastal coastlines and coastal communities. So it's a line of defense against, for example, even typhoons? Yes. Mm-hmm. To me, the coral reef is our island's protector since we live on small islands. It's very likely that big waves can damage our islands because of rising sea level and everything. But then with coral reefs, they break down the waves so that it's safer for us. So uh, in 2012 and 2013, we had two consecutive uh, typhoons, uh, Typhoon Bofa and Typhoon Haiyan that hit Palau. And the west, the west the coast of Palau, uh, their corals were very much damaged. I think almost up to 60% of corals uh, were damaged due to, that, due to those typhoons. And that just creates another sort of gap or opening for more storms to hit us if the corals weren't there. Because like what Isago said was they sort of break down the waves and uh, protect the coastlines from the strong weather patterns. Fascinating. That, that actually reminds me, we talked about seagrass in episode one. And it was also, I mean, seagrass was also a buffer against calamities. So seagrass and coral reefs, they work together? That's all connected. So when we think of coral reefs, we don't just think of corals. We think of the fish. We think of the invertebrates. We think of the mangroves, the seagrass, as well as the land. Coral reefs are an important resource for food and livelihood and the health of our planet. To Palau, they are integral to the culture. So when an incident like coral bleaching happens, it's a big deal. Corals get their color from microscopic algae that live on them called zooxanthellae. Zooxanthellae provide food for the corals, while the corals give them shelter. They depend on each other to survive. When corals turn white, that means the zooxanthellae have left. Why? Because the environment has become stressful. Either the water has become too warm, there's too much sunlight, or the water's polluted. White corals mean they are in danger of death. This is coral bleaching. Palau has experienced coral bleaching before. The worst was in 1997 to 1998 during an El Nino event. According to the Secretariat of the Pacific Regional Environment Program, Approximately a third of Palau's corals died 
it took several years before they could recover. Now imagine what would happen if the Earth's temperature continued to rise. We would have warmer oceans and more white corals. El is, tell us about the situation in Palau right now. We've done uh, surveys and we've spoken with a lot of different Palauans and they always say that they have seen the negative effects of uh, climate change and that they've seen coral bleaching, like coral reefs that they used to, um, that they knew before that were abundant of, and filled with life are now depleting and dying and even bleaching. So yes, there is that problem within our country. And are there other threats that coral reefs face? Yeah. So tying into what uh, Isago said about sort of the change in conservation, right now it's overfishing. So overfishing has become an issue with the reef fish and the other organisms in the coastal areas. And that has become sort of known to those that rely on the resource for income and uh, as well as for food. Another threat is uh, sedimentation from the land with the different developments and sort of human activities that create erosion, they end up going into the coral reefs. And that is uh, one of the major issues in Palau because Palau's uh, soil is very vulnerable to uh, erosion because it's uh, red soil and limestone. So those types of um, sediment are very easily washed down when there is no trees or vegetation holding that in the ground. And uh, with recent housing, new housing for those that lived on the coast, and they, their homes were destroyed by either uh, sea level rise or typhoons. They are now moving up more into inland for new housing. And that's also creating more sedimentation into the coral reefs. And it's not just the coral reefs, but also the seagrass, the mangroves. They're also being um, impacted by this. Now, speaking of sedimentation, I do know taro patches are common in Palau because it's part of your tradition to pass them down to the next generations. Now, for our listeners, these are rectangular fields of taro root crops with irrigation channels built into them. There's a study published in the Wetlands Ecology and Management Journal that says taro patches can help reduce sedimentation that goes into the sea. Could you tell us more about this? Yes, that's correct. So taro patches are sort of like the first filters of uh, sort of runoff into the ocean. And then it's the mangroves. So the taro patch and the mangroves are also very important to help filter the water that goes into the coral reefs. And forests. Oh, yes. And forests. The watershed. <laughs> Fascinating. So, so the point is that there are solutions to these threats that, in fact, already come naturally to Palawans. Yeah. I know there has been a paper that has been published recently by Palau International Coral Reef Center. There is actually a large number of corals within Palau that are heat resistant, which is a good sign for climate change. They just recently uh, discovered that it's all over Palau and in a way where maybe we'll be able to do some coral fragmentation as well as replanting those heat resistant corals in other places where they have been affected by coral bleaching or other climate impacts. Ah, okay. Now I can see why Palau is called a conservation nation. You come up with all of these initiatives to protect the environment, and you are well known for embedding conservation in your way of life. 
now, now something very specific to your country, for example, this tradition of bull. Tell us about this. Tell us about this tradition of bull. Bull is the Palawan term for conservation. It's always uh, with under the authority of like traditional leaders. We've always been conservative people and we've always understood that resources are limited. And the practice of bull, which is like uh, conserving something, is a traditional practice where if the leaders notice that like important resources were depleting, like fish in the coral reef, then they would tell the people in the community not to fish in that area anymore until it's safe again or until they repopulate it. Replenish. Replenish. Yes. <laughs> people would just fish what's enough for their household and enough to bring to their relatives. With the traditional conservation methods, they made the way for us, uh, for our modern uh, management uh, strategies. So, for example, the Palau National Marine Sanctuary came from the idea of, of bull. The Palau Mar National Marine Sanctuary is the production of 80% of Palau's EEZ waters. Mm, 80%? So no one is allowed to fish or extract natural resources in 80% of those waters. The good thing, of course, I would presume, is that the exploited reef fish population are therefore are allowed, are able to replenish. The Palau National Marine Sanctuary Act is sort of helping push the fishers to more of the fishing for pelagics, giving them another opportunity to release pressure from the uh, reef fish. Pelagic fish are those found in the open ocean, far from the shore, like tuna, marlin, swordfish, um, Spanish mackerel. They are much less endangered than the reef fish that fishers love to catch, yes? Yeah. With coral reefs, they have, for small-scale fishers, some of the importance are the reef fish, which give um, lots of uh, income for fishers as well as food for their families. And if there's so much pressure on the reef fish, uh, that means there are no fish to sort of keep the corals and the ecosystem healthy. And with that, that could also damage the uh, ecosystem as well. So you're playing the long game. And actually, apart from the ones we mentioned, Palawan fishers also practice responsible fishing on their own. For example, the Food and Agriculture Organization of the UN, the FAO, notes that these guys catch adult fish as opposed to juvenile ones. They avoid the use of small mesh nets. They stop fishing activities during spawning periods and they work with NGOs to protect coral reefs. All of this is really fascinating. Perhaps you have stories of this on the ground? There was a sand mining project that was about to take place in Ngarolong uh, State in Palau. And after a bill society and QPB, Environmental Quality Protection Board, yeah, and EQPB did their research. They figured out that that place was actually home to endangered species like dugongs. So they worked together with the community and then they said no to that project. I think for Palau to be a small island and already doing these big initiatives like 80% of the EEZ being uh, protected in uh, a sanctuary. That can help, I guess, bigger, larger countries to wake up and uh, become more active in what they're saying and what are the strategies that they're coming up with. We need to be able to 
make sure that there is resources for our future generations. And that's part of what we've learned from our culture too. Like it's not just our resources, it's for the future. Also, I just want to say that like in camp and in our research programs, when we learned about those things, like we'd learned both the scientific and the indigenous aspect of a knowledge being taught to us. So for her, she's talking about the scientific part of it, but then while we're learning the scientific aspect of conservation, they're also teaching us the Palawan proverbs and the Palawan oral histories and stories about conservation so that we understand as we grow up, we understand that conservation is important. Okay, so one example is, I'm going to say it in Palawan, uh, which means tomorrow is still to come. So whatever you're doing, be conservative because you're, you're still waiting for tomorrow. And another one is which in my best attempt to translate it means you have to plant, plant for tomorrow, which does not necessarily just mean plants. It means like you leave some resources yeah, for the next day or the next uh, generation. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like don't take it's, it's not take all now, just take what you need and leave the rest for another time. Mm, which precisely goes to our point. Coral reefs are so important, fundamental to the survival of generations of the planet and to combating climate change. As L is, you've pointed out, you are affected by all the other ecosystems, even those on land. One small change anywhere can send ripples across the fabric of nature. Since me and Alun keep stressing the fact that everything is connected with each other, I think the best solution to saving our coral reefs, and not just our coral reefs, but you know our whole environment, would be to live more sustainably. There are three things, or three pillars of that that we have to focus on which is education leadership and community so we have to pass on knowledge like indigenous knowledge and or scientific knowledge both of them are very important so knowledge spreading education about the value of coral reefs and other parts of the environment are very important and leadership the leader should understand how to conserve how to protect coral reefs and other parts of the environment and community like Palau is very strong when it comes to community bonds like people are very close here they help each other with like rules and stuff so like if somebody is if there's like bull or like a conservation area that you're not allowed to fish and then somebody goes in and fishes there then they're going to report because you know they're part of the community it affects them too so you have to strengthen the community the leadership and uh, education in order to live more sustainably. Palau takes its community seriously, teaching the next generations to continue the traditions that keep them and the environment alive. In Palau, protecting the ocean is everybody's responsibility. How about we all do the same? So conservation becomes second nature to all of us someday. I'm Robbie Alampay. Subscribe to 
Find Smart Fisheries on Spotify or wherever you listen. This podcast is brought to you by RARE, a conservation NGO that supports local governments, national agencies, and communities to promote climate resilience in coastal fisheries management. It's part of RARE's Fishing for Climate Resilience project supported by Germany's Federal Ministry for the Environment, Nature Conservation, and Nuclear Safety through the International Climate Initiative in partnership with Puma Podcast. This episode was produced by Macy Hoven with Yasmin Arquiza and Angel Uson from Rare Philippines and Kevin Mesebellu from Rare Palau. It was edited by Nico Bolante. Stay smart, stay informed, and watch out for our next episode on mangroves in Indonesia. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.